0: Now, I want to get into the message for this morning. And as you would have heard earlier, we're busy with the One Swanee One Life series. Now, last week we spoke about loved by God. That was our focus last week. Loved by God, and we reminded ourselves that God loves people; He really does. And sometimes we need to grow in that area because we just want to love our family and those that love us, but. God loves people. He sees his image in people. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ. And his love is constantly reaching out to us. So that was last Sunday, loved by God. This week, we're looking at invited to the truth. Next week, we'll be found in the truth. And then the fourth of the series is equipped to go. So this is today's message, Invited to Life. Please say that with me, Invited to Life. Now in terms of this as an introduction, I'd like to say that throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, he was inviting people to experience the kingdom of heaven, to experience the kingdom of God. He was inviting people to be partakers of the kingdom. He wasn't just saying, well, I'm living this life and you can't get it. He was saying, I want you to experience what Father God has available for you. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus was extending invitations on earth. Is he an approachable God? Does he want to bless us and give what is of his to us? Absolutely. Jesus was on earth extending invitations. Many times he used this word come. Come to me. Come to me if you weary and heavy laden. Come to me if you are thirsty. Whosoever shall come to me. He said let the little children come to me. He said come and dine with me. He said come to me and I will make you fishes of men. And it's so wonderful to see the heart of father portrayed through Jesus in extending invitations. The invites have not stopped. And Jesus is still extending invitations to every single person on planet earth today. And Jesus invites us to have what he has. He wants to give to us every spiritual blessing. He wants to give to us the things that we need. What a wonderful invitation. And what he is offering is exactly what our souls require. Many times we try to meet the needs of our soul in the wrong places. But he is the one that has what we require. And that's why when we come to Jesus, we are fulfilled because he knows how to meet our needs at the very deepest, deepest level. He can touch your heart like no one can. And he invites us to life. So we can look at four things that Jesus invites us to. Four things. Number one. Jesus invites us to eternal life. This first point is very important. And I know when you hear that Jesus invites us to eternal life, it's like, yes, I know that and so on. But I believe sometimes we need to just dwell on it a little bit. Let it sink in a little bit deeper. The well-known scripture is Romans 6, verse 23. It's on your screen. And it says this, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Would you say eternal life? life. It's what God gives. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that scripture can be very well understood as it's put in the message version. Same verse, Romans 6.23 it says, Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life. There's this thing that God's offering, eternal life delivered by Jesus, our master. There's another scripture that speaks into this extension of eternal life to us, this invitation. It's John 10, verse 27 to 28. And here Jesus is speaking uh, about his sheep. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I give them Eternal life. Who gives eternal life? It's Jesus. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Golly. You see, eternal life is just that eternal. It never stops, it never comes to an end. Quite remarkable. Try to imagine eternal life for a moment. Imagine yourself that. As somebody who loves the Lord that you're gonna go on to live forever and ever you're not gonna stop living you're gonna keep on living forever and ever and ever and ever and ever world without end in the presence of the King of Kings the Lord Jesus this is an incredible thing and so so often we look at this life as the be-all and end-all but we're gonna live with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and he's the one that gives eternal life Do you know that this world has a fascination with eternal life and with the afterlife, if I can put it that way? Many crazy things people do in the hopes of somehow experiencing the afterlife, okay? I think, for instance, there's a modern trend where in some countries in Europe, you can actually, when you are deceased, you can take your body, well, you can't take your body, they're going to take your body, and they will put it into storage, and they will freeze your body at a particular temperature. And then the hope is that when medical science advances into the future, that there will come a time where they can actually put some injections in you, and next thing, beam you up, Scotty, and you are back to life. Let's pick up where we left off, you know? It's interesting. It's something that the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians did many years ago. They began to thousands of years ago embalm the bodies of the pharaohs, embalm the bodies, put them in caskets, put them in deep tombs, and what would they do? They would put a little bit of honey next to the casket in case in the afterlife the pharaoh would come alive, at least he'd have something to snack on if I can put it that way. Wow, it's interesting, this fascination. I think of a song, it's a little bit older now but it's still a classic hit of the modern era and it's the song Forever Young. I wanna be forever young, young. Wow. <laughs> forever Young. Did you hear my brother talking there in the background? forever young. I want to be forever young. And what is it about that? Why do we want to be forever young? It's it's, it's the eternal life desire. I think of another one, another song by a group called Queen. The front, front man of that band, a guy called Freddie Mercury. And he wrote this song and he would sing with gusto. And I mean, he had this torso that Looked like me a couple of years ago, but anyhow. So he had, and he would sing, who wants to live forever? You know, the lights of who wants to live forever? And then later on in the song, he says, and we will live forever. But you know what? You can't just say that and hope that. The Bible says he who has the son has life. It also says he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And it doesn't seem as though that lead singer lived a life where he actually followed Christ at all. Quite to the contrary. He could have in his final moments given his life to the Lord Jesus as the thief did on the cross. And even then, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's how gracious and amazing God's grace is. But it would seem as though he sang about something that he never experienced, sad. These are the realities, that's why God has said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and then he even helps you, therefore choose life. If you're unsure, therefore choose life. And it's so important that we choose life, we choose Jesus and we choose eternal life. Why this fascination? It's because everybody wants to live forever. Whether you realize it or not, that's actually everybody's desire. We want to live forever. Now, eternal life is a free gift from God that comes from Jesus Christ alone. We have to know it. If you have the Son, you have life. This free gift of eternal life is a free gift. It's just that you cannot earn eternal life. Because if you have to earn it, then it's not a gift. But it's a gift all you can do is you can receive the gift of eternal life please say after me eternal life, eternal life. is a free, a free gift wow now let me ask you this at what moment does a person receive eternal life think about this for a moment when is the precise moment when a person receives eternal life i believe without a doubt That that precise moment is when you give your life to Jesus Christ and are reborn. In that moment when when Jesus becomes Lord of your life and you are made alive to God, you are reborn. In that moment, you receive the gift of eternal life. And in that moment, you enter into the realm of eternity. It's incredible. Right there, you enter into that realm. And in terms of that realm, we also not only get an eternal future, but we get an eternal past. Do you know that? Because the Bible says that we were in, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the earth. Because right when we stepped into that eternal realm, we had an eternal past and an eternal future. We became eternal beings. That is what the Bible says. So in that moment, you enter the eternal realm. So... Eternal life doesn't start when a believer dies. Eternal life starts when a believer is born again. That's when it happens. John 5 verse 24, it's on your screen. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That's when you get it. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Notice the words crossed over. Would you please say that? Crossed over. I want to tell you there's a time in this physical life that we are living here on earth. Where if we will place our faith in Jesus and become born again by the Spirit of God. There is a time that you cross over. And you cross over from death into the life of God and into eternity. You cross over and the moment we come into union with Christ is the moment we cross over to life because he is life he said I am the way the truth and the life and the moment you come into union with the person of life Jesus Christ himself is that moment that you become an eternal being and that you experience the awesomeness of this gift of eternal life can somebody say praise the Lord number two Jesus invites us to a life free from the power and domination of sin. Hmm. There's a scripture in Romans 6 that I'd like to share with you. It's verse 6 and then verse 14. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you you know what sometimes when the enemy is trying to come and get you into temptation you declare this verse sin shall not have dominion over me thank you Lord and then it goes on to say for you are not under the law but under grace so notice those two underlined phrases no longer be slaves of sin sin shall not have dominion over you I want to say it's clear from God's word, that the power of sin is broken through the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. The power of sin is broken. Don't live with this thing in your mind that the power of sin is still in place in my life. It's broken through the blood of Jesus. And that's something to rejoice about. Now may I ask you, are you living in victory over sin? Because through Christ, you can. In your own strength and abilities, we will fail and fail and fail again. But through Christ, that's why the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ. I can live in victory over sin through Christ. I can have a positive attitude through Christ. I can say no to crime and corruption through Christ, who strengthens me. And the wonderful thing is that God is wanting to strengthen us Now, I need to point out that this scripture in Romans chapter 6 has a context of baptism. Believer's baptism. It's very important. It has a context of baptism. And some people wonder why they don't break through into complete victory over sin. And I believe that possibly one of the reasons could be that they have never been baptized. Some people think, well, baptism is just, you know, it's kind of this symbolic thing. And you go into the water, it speaks of death, under the water, burial, coming up out of the water speaks of resurrection, newness of life, etc. And they say, well, it's just symbolic. I want to tell you, it's more than symbolic. The very act of obedience and being baptized contains power. And when you are baptized, the chains of sin are broken over your life. According to Romans chapter six. That's what the Bible says. And so we shouldn't see this as, well, you know, do I really need to, an optional extra? I don't understand when people just want to do the bare minimum. To me, I want to do everything that God says for me to do. And so will you get to heaven if you're not baptized? Yes, you will. But does Jesus instruct us to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yes, he does. So should we do it? Yes, absolutely. But realize it's not just symbolic. When you are baptized, there is power that is released in that pool, in that action. And God causes any remaining chains of sin to be broken over your life. It is too wonderful. For myself, I remember when I got baptized, I was 18 years, about 18 years of age, I really appreciate the fact that my parents never put pressure on me to get baptized. And my dad said, no pressure. When you're ready, you'll know that you're ready. And so I came a day. I was about 18. And I said, okay, I'm going to get baptized. my time to get baptized. And I said, Dad, I don't want you to baptize me. I just want to go with the normal pastor who's on duty that Sunday. And I should have just let my dad baptize me when I think back on it now. But... Uh, A pastor by the name of Willem Neip, Pastor Willem, baptized me. I was 18 years of age. And I tell you, it was a defining moment in my life. When I came up out of the water of baptism, I felt clean. I felt so clean. And so many people testify of that same thing. They say when they were baptized, afterwards they felt clean. It was like you never want to sin again. And my living in victory went to an all-new level after being baptized. And so I believe that if you are born again and baptized, there is no logical reason for you not to experience victory over sin. Can you say amen? amen? The next scripture, Romans 7, verse 24 to 25, it says here, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? That is dominated by sin and death. Now, here comes the answer, verse 25. Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who is going to give you victory over sin? I want to tell you, it's Jesus. And some of us need to just be relying on Him more, relying on His strength, relying on His divine power. Relying on his enablement because it is only Jesus that can cause you to live in victory over sin. And I encourage you to rely on his power, rely on Jesus. Please say this to the person next to you the power of sin is broken. Won't you say that? The power of sin is broken. And the scripture says in 1 John 1, sorry, 1 John 5, verse 4, for whatever. Is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born again? I can't hear you. Are you born again? Yes. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Please say this after me Jesus, Jesus. Is, my is my liberator. I am an overcomer, am an overcomer. in Jesus' name. Jesus. Hallelujah. And I give the Lord a hand of praise that He is your liberator. Number three, Jesus invites us to a life of rest for our souls. Listen to that word, rest. It's beautiful. And so the wonderful thing is that there comes a time when the searching stops. And it's at the time when we find Jesus, the searching and the striving stops because the God-like vacuum that is within each person's soul gets filled. By the Creator, our Heavenly Father. Now, it was Billy Graham, I believe, that gave this example. How many of you remember Billy Graham? Still alive? I wonder how much longer he'll be alive for. But Billy Graham said the following: He said, "Inside the heart of every human being is a God-like vacuum. In other words, there's a vacuum. There's a space which only God can put His puzzle piece in. It's a God-like vacuum." And Billy Graham says many people try to fill that void, that vacuum, with all sorts of things, and they want to fill it with a relationship. They want to fill it with drugs. They want to fill it with drinking, alcoholism, etc. And all the while, God is saying, "I'm the only one that can meet that need to fill you, so that you will find rest. Because then you will never search again. You will never thirst again." The Scripture says, Matthew 11:28. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens." And I will give you rest. Please say the word rest. That's what Jesus gives. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. We all need rest for our souls. And when I read that passage of scripture, it's like a breath of fresh air that just blows over my heart. You will find rest for your souls Praise the Lord for the rest he offers. Now, point number four, the final point this morning. Jesus invites us to a life of fellowship. Please say that with me. Jesus invites us to a life of fellowship. Wow. I love this. Because, you know, it helps us to realize that we can have intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. We can know Jesus personally and have relationship with him, and we can have fellowship with God. Please say the word fellowship. Fellowship. Now, the word fellowship is a bit of an old-fashioned word. You don't really hear it used a lot, unless you're talking about the fellowship of the rings or something like that. Now, fellowship, you don't hear it very often, but it's a beautiful word. In English, I battle to find another word to describe fellowship. The closest word I can come up with is the word communion. But fellowship is something unique. In Afrikaans, I'm not exactly sure what the word is, but maybe it is kaya. Fellowship is kaya. Somebody between the service said to me, it is same And there's also some other words, I won't go into that. But in terms of this, we can have fellowship. Now, I want to ask you, this is what Jesus invites us to, and are you having fellowship with God? It can't just be when you come to church that you have fellowship. But this is a lifestyle that God invites us to that you and I would have fellowship, communion. It reminds me of what it's spoken about in the book of John about us abiding in Christ, you know, abiding in him. You've heard me tell the story before, but I want to mention it again. One of our members, he joined the church a few years ago And he said that he had been in a very traditional church all his life, very devoted in the traditional church. And then he came and spoke to me one day and he said, John, it was only when I came to be a part of this local congregation that I discovered, listen to this, I discovered that you can actually have a personal relationship with Jesus. I thought, my goodness, how is it possible that through so many years of devoted church attendance, you didn't discover that? But nonetheless, praise God that you have discovered it. And he realized that it is actually all about Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I think, oh, the joy of personal relationship. Oh, the joy of personal fellowship. And I want to tell you, if there's not personal fellowship in your relationship with God, I want to encourage you, there's more. Get a hold of it. Begin to desire the lover of your soul. Begin to let your heart be drawn to God. Tell you a little story. On the pastor's breakaway, we had a breakaway for two days, uh, Sunday night and Monday night, just spending time together as an executive team and pastors in the church. We had a very profitable time, and we had some times of worship as well, and playing different worship songs, or, or for CD, or for disc, and there was one song that I played and then I played it again a little bit later, but it's a song that's stirring my heart right now. It's called the Song of Solomon and it is by Martin Smith. And so we played this song and it's got this line which says, over the mountains, over the sea, here you come running, my lover to me. So beautiful. Over the mountains, oh sea, here you come running, my lover, to me, over the mountains, over the sea, here you come running, my lover, to me. And as I was playing this, and I just saw in the, in the room right there came a pressing in to God in a deeper way in that moment. And you know what? Our hearts get drawn to God. What is it about? It is about fellowship. It's about fellowship. And the scripture says in 1 John uh, 1 verse 3, it's on your screen. Look out for the word fellowship. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship. Fellowship is with the Father. This is what the Christian life is about. Fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Son. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so we can come boldly to God, knowing that we have access. We don't need to come and first slaughter an animal like they did in the Old Testament. You don't need to have a mediator or a priest between you and God. You can come right in your own space before the Lord and knowing that That the way is open for fellowship. We have access to the Father. And the scripture says in John 15 verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Doesn't friends sound like fellowship? I have called you friends. For all the things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And the wonderful thing is that as friends of God, God shares his heart with us. He speaks to us. We don't only pray to him, he speaks to us. And I want to end off with the last scripture this morning. Uh, It's one of my favorite scriptures because it contains this phrase, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase. The scripture is found in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 in the NIV and it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Say those words with me. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And here the apostle, he's writing to the church and he says, guys, we've been invited to Fellowship. And he's saying, you know what, this needs to be with you, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the being in companionship with the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to end off in prayer and also pray that scripture over you. Would you please stand as we are going to pray right now? Please take the hand of the person next to you as we pray. And Lord, we want to thank you for your word that you have invited us to life. We thank you for the invitation to eternal life. We thank you for the invitation that we can overcome the power and domination of sin. We thank you for the invitation that we can have rest for our souls, but also that we can have fellowship with you. I pray, Lord, for the personal relationship that each of us have with you, And I pray that you would breathe new life into those relationships. Lord, we don't want to just kind of talk occasionally. But God, we want to fellowship. I pray that our relationship with, with you would begin to thrive as never before. Because Christ, you are our life. Christ Jesus, you are our righteousness. And so I bless your people now. And I say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And if you agree, would you say aloud, amen. 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 God bless you, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. See you next Sunday as we continue in the series.